Well, good morning and welcome to Life Church on this beginning of this Christmas season. I think everybody's had a lot of turkey. Everybody's just kind of like really like super chill, just like I even heard you in the back going, yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so here's what I think we need to do just for a minute. If you're walking online, watching online and you're by yourself, even if you're on a treadmill right now, I just need you to look at, just say to the person next to you, man, you look great. Have you lost weight? Just do that right now. Just everyone. Hey, you look great. Have you lost weight? Look, even if you picked up five pounds, if somebody says that to you, you're like, you are my new best friend. Anyway, yeah. So we're kicking off this holiday Christmas season, uh, and uh, we go from now to the end of the year, and uh, we're in this, uh, this Charlie Brown Christmas and just kind of doing a little old school. Anybody, like, remember all of that? Like, the Charlie Brown? Like, yeah, yeah. And then, and so we all have favorite Christmas movies, right? Elf, anyone? Yeah, A Christmas Story, You're Gonna Shoot Your Eye Out, that's my all-time favorite. My kids are like, do we have to watch this? Yes, multiple times. And uh, so everybody has their, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. Everybody has their, you know, Miracle on 34th Street. I can just keep going on and on and on. So we kind of pick this as our, as our kind of a theme throughout this, this, this Christmas season to kind of deal with subjects that we deal with during this, during this time of the year. And so this... Charlie Brown Christmas special made its debut on CBS December 9th, 1965, if that dates some of us. And uh, so it warmed the hearts of many Americans during this cold Christmas season. And uh, we're going to look at some biblical truths. And today we're going to talk about, uh, as, as, as Charlie Brown finds Snoopy, his dog going super commercial during Christmas, he called it by participating in a spectacular, I wrote it down, super colossal neighborhood Christmas lights and display contest. We're going to talk about distractions. Because in this time of the year, it's very easy to be distracted by the lights, by certain celebrations, by certain things, and to completely get away from the true meaning of the season. The meaning of the season for Christmas is Jesus and the birth of Jesus. But we live in a world that you can say and do a lot of things, but Jesus is just not the most popular dinner guest. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just you do what you want to do, but just don't pray in the name of Jesus. You say what you want to say, just don't talk about Jesus. Uh, you know, and even like you can have uh, like everything, <laughs> try to just completely get the Christmas name out of everything. Why? Because Christ is at the center of that. And I would triple dog dare you to everybody that you see, just say Merry Christmas. Even if they say Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, if they go, you know, whatever, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, and just smile. A smile is an amazing thing, you know? Like, I mean, I, I go to, the, to, to, to a health club. I was going to say the name of it, and I, didn't, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But I go to a health club in town. I know I don't look like it, but I do it. It helps my <laughs> mental image, right? And it's amazing to me the number of people that are just like, Ugh. I'm like, is life really that bad? Or are you just, that, is that look stuck on your face? I, I don't know. But it's amazing when you smile, and some people, you still don't get anything out of it, which I just kind of make a game out of it, right? I just am like, I'm going to keep smiling at you to at least you do something. You grimace, you something, you know? And uh, in this season, it's easy to get distracted off of what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. And I'm not here to really talk about the true meaning of Christmas. I'm, talking, I'm here to talk about distractions during this time of the year. And uh, because distractions in our life can lead to destruction if we're not careful. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Luke, chapter 10. It's a passage of Scripture that you may be pretty familiar with. But 
It's about the difference between being focused on the right thing and that being Christ and being caught up in a lot of many things, which can happen during the Christmas season. This isn't the Christmas story. This isn't the story of the birth of Jesus or the foretelling of that. But it's a day in the life of Jesus and an encounter with two sisters named Mary and Martha and Jesus' conversation about distractions. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 38. And now as they went on their way, Jesus entered into a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. If you write, underline, whatever in your Bible, just do that, that word distracted with much serving. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, why are you anxious and troubled about many things? But one thing is necessary. Taking notes today, first statement out of this passage, I'm gonna walk through this, is diminish the distractions. Diminish the distractions. Whatever they may be, diminish the distractions. In order to keep focus on whatever it is that God's called you to do, whatever it is that you're trying to make the preeminent issue or focus of your world, your life, your day, your week, your, this season, putting Christ into Christmas, you diminish the distractions. The word distraction is a Latin word that means this. It means to pull apart, to separate. It's a drawing of the mind into different directions. It's kind of like I was at a stoplight yesterday and somebody was on their phone texting and it was like, I mean, there were five cars that went through before they realized, oh, the lights turned green. Radically distracted, right? And, and not a great time of the, of, of the, of the week, you know, uh, this, this shopping time to be distracted. It's very easy to get distracted. It's very easy in the world that we live in to be distracted, to be pulled apart from, to be separated from, to be drawn apart from, to have your mind put in different directions. And the enemy of your soul doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. This is, a, this is an old school tactic of the enemy. He doesn't need to destroy you. The devil doesn't need to show up with you know, horns and a pitchfork and, 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 and a tail at, at your front door to, to come in to steal, kill, and destroy. All he needs to do is distract you, to get your eyes off the mark, just to move a little bit, just to give a little bit, just to distract you. Go back to this passage, verse 38, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And as they went on their way, Jesus entered into a village And the woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who set the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She's distracted with much serving. Is serving wrong? No. Is serving bad? No. She's serving the Lord. Mm, let's just get right there. That's pretty good. That's juicy right there. Let's just get all into that. Because sometimes it's easy for us as Christians to point to the world and go, see, they're going to hell in a handbag and, and they're wrong and we're right and they're unholy and we're holy, right? They're unpure and we're pure. Do you follow the, do we need to keep doing this back and forth, right? You, you see what I'm saying? Like it's this, it's an us and them. But the truth of the matter is if we're not careful, us, those who are inside the, 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 the good shepherd's sheep pen, his fold, we can become distracted by serving. Instead of the object of who we're serving, it's actually what we're doing. Instead of whom I'm serving, which is Jesus, I get distracted by what I'm doing, preaching. I get, this is the reason why it's very interesting, but, but even in some of my theological training and, and the disciplines and, and, and the schooling and education that I've gone through, there are professors that I've had and PhDs that, are, that have specialties uh, on various concentrations of theology that don't actually follow Jesus. 
but they're experts in a particular field, let's say, of pneumatology or, or ecclesiology or, or any kind of ology. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so they, 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 they get, and you're like, how do you get there? Because they get their eyes off of Jesus and they get their eyes on what they're doing. They get their eyes off of Jesus and they get their eyes off of where they're serving, the church, the mission, the whatever, instead of keeping their eyes on Jesus. Distraction. Martha's distraction wasn't bad or evil. It was just peripheral compared to who was in front of her, Jesus. Jesus is sitting in her home. Now, you've got to do a little bit of understanding about this. So you have Mary and Martha, these two sisters. Jesus probably went to their house more than what we know anyone else. Not saying he didn't go to other people's homes. He did multiple times. Matter of fact, in, in this gospel of Luke, there will be about two dozen times where Jesus is eating at the table, going to the table, reclining at the table, or leaving from the table. Because most community happens around the table. A lot of life change conversations happen around the table. That's what's happening here. So this is Mary and Martha. They have a brother that you may know. His name is Lazarus. So they would have been very familiar with Jesus. Martha probably was Jesus's favorite, besides his mother Mary, probably was his favorite cook. She probably made his favorite meals and did it just the way he liked it. And she was all about making sure Jesus was taken care of. And we understand that Jesus is in here. He's in their home and he's teaching. So there's other people that are around. So Martha is doing all of this work. She's doing all of these things. She's busy about all of these things. But yet Jesus is in her house and Jesus is only going to be around for a short period of time. Just two, three years and he's gone. And Martha becomes distracted away from the Lord to what she's doing. What are common distractions that keep you from Jesus? These are the things I hear sometimes. Man, I, I don't have time to pray. Have you looked at how much screen time you have? Woo! Man, Pastor, easy. We just, man, we just had Thanksgiving. Like, tis the season. Fa la 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 la, right? Maybe it's your streaming Netflix or Paramount Plus or Apple or Peacock or Hulu or just stop me at any point in time. There are, aren't there more subscriptions? Like I'm like looking at like all, like maybe it's your social media. You get caught up on some lady from the South and her son talking about biscuits. Mm. My mother thinks she's a movie star right now. Y'all, I'm just telling you, just, just pray. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go to my Facebook or my social media or, or my Instagram, and there it is. And so I was like, Mom, you have to make biscuits, and I'm going to have this recorded because I want the girls to know how to make biscuits. Because someone needs, and this is, this is like, ah, passed on, right, generation to generation. Maybe it's work. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And I get that. I'm a busy person. I tell the staff I'm busy. I'm always going to be busy. I hate the phrase, I'm killing time. Oh, my goodness. Because, look, I can make more money, but I cannot make more time. And Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, time and chance happen to us all. What do you do with that? Distractions. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. If I'm not careful, I'm doing so much serving that I forget the reason why I'm serving. Friends or relationships. They just keep building and building and building. What is keeping you from Jesus? He's here. What keeps you? What keeps you from coming to church? 
I know I'm preaching to the choir right now, but just indulge me for a minute. What keeps you from coming to church? What keeps you from, from, from getting into his word? What keeps you from having a daily quiet time where you're spending time just praying with the Lord? What, what are the, what's the distraction? See, it's not, that you're, it's not that you're splitting hell wide open. It's not that you're doing something that's grossly immoral, illegal, or sinful. It's that you're just distracted. It's like Snoopy forgot the reason for the season. And it all becomes about this super spectacular lights competition. Second statement, focus on what's important. If you're going to diminish distractions, you have to focus on what's most important. Focus. Focus on what's most important. Go back to verse 41 of chapter 10. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Verse 42, but one thing is necessary. Notice that. You're anxious and troubled about many things. Now, I know being anxious and kind of having your mind consumed with things can be things that are happening. That's a natural feeling. That's the reason why the, the phrase fear not is in Scripture more than any other phrase in Scripture. Why? Because it's our tendency to fear. It's, 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 our, it's our shadow self. It's our dark side. It's, 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 it's part of the, the downfall of, of sin and the fall of man is that we have this fear nature about us. Like the other shoe's going to drop. Like the sky's going to fall. Like this is just going to. But notice she's anxious and she's troubled. Why? Because she's about so many things. Maybe some of the anxiousness and the anxiety and the trouble in your life is that you're so busy chopping wood and chopping the tree down that you're not taking time to sharpen the ax, that you're so busy doing that you don't have time to be. Jesus didn't call us to do, he called us to be. If you abide in me, that word abide means to be in, to rest in, to reside in, and I rest and reside in you, then that's what you will know to be done for you. It's interesting, I just pause here for a moment because, again, this takes me back a little bit because this past year, after 20 years of pastoring at Life Church, we, Tammy and I just kind of took a, a break and the board was so gracious and kind and you were so gracious and kind and the staff did such an amazing job to allow us to just to have 90 days to be able to just kind of to push apart from, to, to, to pull away from, to kind of separate ourselves from the work of the ministry, just to kind of work on the being and not the doing. And I've had multiple pastor buddies have called me and just said, hey, man, talk to me about this. Is it worth it? I don't know if I could do this. I, did, did you feel like coming home early? And did, did you feel like, I mean, did, did you feel like quitting when you got back? Did you, or did you feel charged? How do you, you know, what? And I'm like, no, man, I, yes, the, 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 the thing of not having something, quote, unquote, to do, per se, was very, was very unnerving to me. It was very much like I'm wringing my hands a little bit. And there were conversations and times where I said, hey, Tammy, maybe we just need to, let's just go back. Because going back was more comfortable because that's what I know. I know what to do Monday through Friday. I know what to do on Sundays. I, I know there's this certain tendency because I've got rhythms and I've got these, these routines and I've got this, this, this way, this track that I go on day in and day out. But this is completely disrupting that intentionally. And so all of a sudden I find myself in this place, but I kept staying in that, that place of being and not doing. And so I didn't go back. And so I stayed and stayed. And so I can just tell you that when I came back, I felt like, and this is how I tell them, I feel like I'm, I'm 51, I'll be 52 next month. I feel like I'm 30 again when we first came here to the church. And I've got that much energy and passion and vision, but I've got 
more wisdom and more influence because of 20 years of, of relational equity with people. And, and, and I've got more, um, more resources to do what God's called me to do. It didn't diminish me pulling back. It didn't diminish me pushing away from. It lowered my anxiety. It lowered my troubledness. And it gave me this certain amount of, so I can move and run for the next season of the race. It's very interesting. That's counterintuitive, but yet that's how that works. Proverbs says it this way, verse chapter four, verse 25, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Because most decisions in life, most difficult choices in life, aren't between good and bad, but between good and best. We see this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, where Peter walks on the water. Jesus comes out, and he's walking on the water. They think it's a ghost. Jesus tells him, be not afraid. He has to say that to the disciples more than any other statement he says to them. And so, and so Peter says to Jesus, if it's you, Lord, then I want to I walk to you. And we know as long as Peter keeps his eyes on Jesus, he's walking on the water. But the moment that he looks away, the moment that he, the moment that he becomes distracted by the elements and the super onto the natural that's happening, the miraculous moment that he's sitting into, that's when he begins to sink. If we're not careful, things in our lives can become obstacles and, can, and, can, and that we have to remove, that kind of get in the way. Um... When I turned 50, I felt like everything was kind of falling apart on me physically. And uh, so I kept telling Tammy, I'm having a hard time. Like, I just think with, because with COVID and so we couldn't go get, I couldn't get my eye exam and I wear reading glasses and blah, 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 blah. So I'm just going to go get, so we went to this little place and I got my eyes checked and the guy looked at me and uh, I just turned 50, like just a few months before. And he goes, sir, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have cataracts in both eyes. I'm like, cataracts, isn't that something old people get? And he says, yes, sir. <laughs> At that moment, I was like, dude, I can still see your face enough to punch you in the mouth. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm thinking. And so he tells me how sometimes this happens and whatever and everything. And so then he begins to, and I'm like, I, I said, no. And he was telling me which eye was stronger. I said, no, you're wrong. And I'm arguing. You ever argue with a doctor? You know, like, I want to say, like, I'm a doctor, not that kind of doctor. But I'm a doctor. I mean, like, come on, man, really? And so he, so he shows me, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, my goodness. When he put his hand, began to, he said, now I want you to look at this. I'm like, what? What? This explains why I can't see things. My wife is laughing right now. <laughs> why? This explains a lot. So how is it? Because it became, it was so small, so normative, so over time, that the distractions, that the cloudiness, that the the blockage began to be something I didn't even realize until somebody pointed it out. That's what's happening with Mary and with Martha and, and Jesus. Martha's so used to being busy and going and going and going and going and going. And she's doing good things, but they're not the best things. That Jesus has to stop and say, hey, 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 you got to focus. Let me show you. You're over here, but let me line you up right here. This is where, okay. Third statement, final statement, is that you listen to the voice of God. If you wanted to menace distractions, you listen to the voice of God. We cannot allow the noise of life to distract us from the voice of God, and that's very easy to do. 
Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. And when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. You know, God wants to speak to us like that. God wants to talk to you. He's not trying to tell you what cereal or you're going to have Captain Crunch or Sugar Smacks. It's always Sugar Smacks, I'm just telling you. But he's not going to tell you which cereal, right? He's not telling you, like, it's not those types of things. But these big choices and decisions in life, these big things in life, think about it. As, as a parent, if you have your child comes to you and they ask you, hey, mom, hey, dad, I got this decision. What do you think? Do you really go, I hope my kids never ask me what to do with their life? Really? No, none of us ever say that. Or I hope they never ask me for any input in their life. No. You go, I, I, I'm waiting for, for the door and the opportunity to be able to say, this is what you need to do. This person's a loser, right? <laughs> you know, don't, don't connect with them. And this is who you need and this is what's going on. And no, you're, you're, you're waiting for that. How much more, the Bible says, if our earthly father wants good for us, how much more does the heavenly father want good for us? So when we ask of him to say, God, give me wisdom in what I'm to do with my life and, and what opportunity should I take? Where should I go? Whom should I marry? The greatest decision that you will make outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ is whom you will marry. Who, who am I gonna be? Lord, what do I... Do you not think God wants to speak into your life? Absolutely. What keeps that? It's not being in tune. It's, it's, it's not being tuned into. It's the distractions that drowned it out. And, and, and God's a, he's a gentleman. So when you want to kind of like go on with your bad self, like you, you want to do it your way, like Burger King, your way right away now, and we're all like that. God's kind of like, hey, man, I'm going to be over at, at Starbucks grabbing a grande skinny cinnamon dolce latte at 190 degrees. And when you come to the end of your bad self, you come get me. But until then, you go on with yourself. It's all over scripture. When Israel doesn't, God's people, they don't want to listen. God goes, okay, you don't want me. I'm out of here. <laughs> and then when they cry out and they cry out and they cry out, God says, I heard the cries of my people. So he goes all the way to the Midian desert and he moves Moses all the way back. Why? Because he hears the cries of his people and he answers. Verse 42 of Luke chapter 10, we read it there. It says, Mary has chosen a good portion or the right way, the Bible says, which will not be taken from her. Martha chose serving, but Mary chose Jesus. But, 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 but Martha's serving is about Jesus. I get it. It's indirectly connected to. It's not wrong. It's just not the best. The Bible says that Mary, Martha was about many things, but Mary is about one thing. And the one thing she's chosen won't be taken from her. It's Jesus. Choosing to listen and to follow Jesus is not only the best choice for here and now, but for all of eternity. And it's amazing to me sometimes how people go, well, I hear God on spiritual issues or I'll listen to God on spiritual things, but on like my job, I got this. Really? Where you're going to spend a bulk of your waking hours, you don't think you need to interact with the Lord? Or, you know, I, I, you know who I'm going to marry and who I'm going to be with for the rest of my life? You, you don't think maybe that's not a good conversation for you to kind of maybe pray and fast about? And if I ever say fasting, you know that's serious, right? 
I don't skip meals on very many things. A job or a career. No, God wants to be involved if you'll ask him. So I want to challenge you today. I want to go back to what he says there about Martha's about many things and Mary's about one thing. What's the one thing you should be focused on now? Now, not next year, not the next season of life, but right now. What's the one thing within your hand and within your control you have the ability to focus on now? Just the one thing. Not many things. Many things will get you in trouble. One thing. This is what I love about how the Lord does it. God, God never, it's, you know, we as people, here's five things that change your life. I don't need five. I can't do five things. I can do one thing. And I'm going to have a hard time doing one thing. Amen? Right? Don't point. It's not nice. But we all have this problem. What's the one thing? Because if you don't focus there, you may miss out on what God has for you. It may be that you're about many, many, many things. And you miss Jesus. And he's been there all along. But he's not there forever. What's that one thing? What's the one thing that if you did today, your life would be better tomorrow? What's the one thing that if you focused on today, it would make a difference tomorrow? What's the one thing that you have control of? Because you don't have control of everything. What's one thing? Not two things, not three things. One thing. Many times we become distracted because we just allow many things. Not the number one priority. What's one thing you can do today? Maybe it's smile. I'm going to keep doing that at the health club in the morning. Maybe it's saying Merry Christmas in a season where it's like it's lost its steam. Maybe it's talking about Jesus. Maybe it's going, you know, I never talk about Jesus. I sing about him at church. I read him and I've been in the Bible, but I never have a conversation. I'm just going to try to have one conversation a day about Jesus. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something really practical. Maybe it's something that you need to do for your health. You need to stop doing one thing or start doing one thing. But what's, the, what, what's distracting you? What's the one thing to be focused on? To put it aside and focus on Jesus. I'm just going to say this. As a congregation, during this series, I know it sounds really simple and really easy. But the one thing I want to do during this, this Christmas season is I want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. I want to make sure that people know, man, I'm a Christ follower. I, I want to, I, I look at our world and I even listened to the news report last night and the newscaster on the, on the news was just saying how that, uh, you know, hey, tomorrow as you're going to brunch, you may have some difficulties or whatever your activities are. I'm like, brunch? Dude, I love to eat. But brunch? What about church? There was a day and age where it was like, if you're going to mass or you're going to church, or you're going to wherever, da 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 now it's like, it's just Sunday, it's just another day. What about like the Sabbath, make it holy? Well, pastor, nobody talks like that. Exactly, maybe we should change the conversation. I can't change the world, 
I may not be able to change that newscaster, but I can change my sphere. Make sense? I, I can make sure that my kids that are coming home from school, because Jesus has been omitted and omitted and omitted from so much of what happens at Christmas, the reason for the season, because they don't want to offend anyone. We have local municipalities that don't even do quote unquote Christmas lights. Lights have nothing really to do directly about Jesus or the virgin birth. I'm not even talking about three wise men, right? Who are just Middle Eastern dudes. I mean, we're not, we're, right? I mean I'm just like, hey, 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 but it's, it's at some point just talking to your kids and just going, hey, I'm gonna make sure that my one thing is during this holiday season, during this Christmas season, during this time of the year that I'm going to talk about the reason for the season, which is Jesus. I'm gonna make sure that my kids know certain little songs. We're just gonna sing as we go along to school. I'm gonna get a CD or, I know I'm dating myself, a CD, check that out. I'm gonna put on my MP3 or my, 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 my Spotify, whatever, and we're gonna just sing some of these classic Christmas songs as we go along, because I wanna make sure that, it's great that they know Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's great that they know, know some of these, but what about away in the manger? And what about this? And you go, man, you sound old. Yes, I do. But it's the reason for the season. And if we don't, there grew up a generation who knew not Joseph nor the things thereof. How did we get here? We just got distracted with many things instead of keeping our eyes and focus on the one thing, which is Jesus. I want to pray for you today. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for the simplicity of your word. Thank you, Lord, that you don't ask us to be about many, many things, but just to be about one thing, and that's you. And it's amazing, Lord, in our world of technology and AI and all these great things that make our life easier, it really comes down to the simplicity of a truth that is as old as the ages. To God, a father that loved us, his children so much that he gave his one and only son. And that one and only son left the glory and splendor of heaven and came to this earth, born into a simple, humble carpenter's family and he arose in strength and in stature. And he died for the sins of humanity. His name is Jesus. And he didn't just die, he rose from the grave so that we could have life and life to the fullest. Thank you, Lord. That's the reason for the season. And help us today, God, just to be centered back onto what's important what the true meaning of this season is all about. And even in our own lives, what is it that you've called us to do, to be, to focus on? Not the many things. That's what I love about your word, Lord. It's not, this is very simple. The gospel is very simple. John three sixteen is very simple. What's the one thing I need to do? What's the one focus during this, this next 30 days that I have? What's the focus Help me to live that out. Help me to keep my eyes upon you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.